Today, we are getting to study part two of our series on the Good Shepherd, talking about going through Psalm 23. And so we are glad to have our kids in here with us today as we do the last... Well, can we knock these down on the sides? Uh, as we do the last Sunday of every month, we invite all of our kids to come in for worship so they can sit with their parents, they can sit with everybody, and they can watch the adults worship together and see how we respond and then maybe it causes us to be a little more on our on our game as well right because <laughs> little eyes and little ears are watching us and listening to us but anyway we are glad that you got kids are in here today and there are some handouts in the back if you didn't get one uh there's some paper in the back and some crayons for you guys to draw but i would like you, to, you guys to draw a special picture for me today okay last week last month remember you guys drew a special picture for me this month today i want you to draw an extra special picture can y'all do that? Yeah. I heard one person, yes. Okay, two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Andy, you, you, you got, Andy's 30, but he gets to draw a special picture for us today, too. So anyhow, what we're talking about, the good shepherd, we're talking about Jesus and how God is our shepherd. And so, kids, what I want you to draw for me, draw the best picture you can of a shepherd leading his sheep. Can you do that? A shepherd leading his sheep. All right, as you listen to this message, maybe something will come across your mind, something you'll, maybe a picture his staff and his rod, or maybe he's leading them to the green pastures or beside the quiet waters, whatever, however God is leading in your picture, I want you to draw that special picture for me today as we are listening in, uh, to the message today. And there will also be some notes on the screen behind me, kids, so if any, the, anything I say maybe jogs your memory or jogs your attention, you can write down, be sure to write down some of the notes and some things that are on the screen, especially for your older kids as you start learning how to take notes. So today in Psalm chapter 23, we're talking about how God is our good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, he's the good shepherd, right? Jesus called himself that in, in, the, in the book of John, the good shepherd. And we talked about that a little bit last week. We talked about what it means last week. We said, we're going to take that one phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. And last week, we talked about the Lord the Lord is my shepherd, right? How he is the one we talk. What, are the, what does it mean? Who is this God that we worship? Who is the Lord? Who is God? And we listed all the names of God that we had in there. And this week we're talking about how he's not just your shepherd. He's not somebody else's shepherd. He's my shepherd. I want you guys to personalize this idea of God is our shepherd this week. He's not just Adam's shepherd. He's not just the kid's shepherd. He's not just politician shepherd. He's not just somebody else's shepherd around the world where our missionaries work. He is your shepherd. Can y'all say that? The Lord is my shepherd. Let me hear you. The Lord is my shepherd. Very good. The Lord is my shepherd. Personalize that. Internalize that because when you begin to understand just who God is, and he's not just way far out there. He's not just some statue on, on the mantle, not just some picture on a wall or some little piece of jewelry. He's my personal shepherd leading me and guiding me. It will affect the way you live your life every single day. It will affect the way you interact with society around you. It will affect the way that you interact with people who disagree with you on social media. I don't know about you guys, but there's been a lot of harsh words cast our attention this week. And some of it I knew was going to come because as I commented on people's posts who were upset with the Supreme Court decision this past week, I knew that... There was going to be some anger out there. I knew there was going to be some bitterness. I knew there was going to be some frustration. So I was prepared to receive it, but not everybody is. 
and it should the, the fact that God is our shepherd should affect the way that we live our lives before other people, even on social media. The words and how we speak them should be kinder because of the because of the God that we serve. All those things together. So let me read to you together. Uh, let me read for you again. Psalm 23 to remind you of what God says here. Ready? Psalm 23, I'm going to read it for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is God. That is who we serve. That is our great shepherd. The one that, who comes alongside of us and walks with us and guides us. As we talked about last week, he leads us to the, to the waters. He leads us to the pastures to provide for us, right? Now, as I was looking through this week, I ran across another psalm. We call it the Anti-Psalm 23. Listen to how this one goes. And see which one you'd rather have embodied in your life. Anti-Psalm 23, ready? I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless, I'm easy, frustrated, and often disappointed. It's a jungle, I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert, I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist. I want to do what I want, when I want, and how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death, I fear the big hurt and the final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road. I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me, except me. I'm so much about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free falling into the void? Sartre said, hell is, for other is, for hell is other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's a living death, and then I die. Contrast that with what we just read and what's on the screen behind me with what David is writing about God as our good shepherd, the good shepherd. And David, growing up as we know, growing up as a young shepherd boy, out there with his flock, he understood what it meant to be that good shepherd. Which one would you rather live under? The Psalm 23 or the anti-Psalm? Hopefully your answer to that is the Psalm 23, that you would internalize and sustain that. 
So today we're going to look at how God is my shepherd, how God is your shepherd, and what that means. If you look at the back of the briefly at the first three verses, and then we camp on verse four for a few minutes here. Number one, God is my sustainer. God is my sustainer, verse one. He's my sustainer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? David wrote this from his easy life. His life as a king. We picture, we picture him living in the, in the palace, peace all around him, servants bringing him his food, kids running around, no cares in the world. That's how we picture David. And yet we know from reading that he was banished from Saul's court, given his wife as a snare by Saul, who actually ended up loving him. He was on the run most of his early life from Saul, who wanted to kill him. The king of Israel at that time wanted to kill him. He lived off the land. And yet in the midst of that time, and he found himself in the En Gedi, in the oasis area of Israel, he was able to sit down and write, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I will not want. God is there as my sustainer. See, in the midst of all this outward goodness that he was going through, right? We sing that song, The Goodness of God, here, and I love that song. It talks about how awesome God is. Even when we can't picture his goodness, he is good. Even when things around us may not be going so well, and we're like, God, really? When I was in the hospital last week for three weeks, God brought that song to my wife and my family, and that's one of the reasons why we sing it here, because it reflects on, they're able to reflect on the goodness of God, even in bad situations. That God is there sustaining us, protecting us, getting us through the bad things in life that frustrate us and we agonize through. He sustains us. He sustained David, even when it was quote-unquote easy on the run. I use that air quotes, because life was not easy when David wrote this song. He was in the midst of struggling. He was in the midst of running for his life when he wrote this song. And yet, God sustained David through all of these struggles, even before he became king. And life got a little bit easier for him until his son Absalom turned on him and he had to run for his life again. God sustained him. By the time he wrote the psalm, he had gone through so much turmoil in his life, and, and yet in, in contemplating who God is, even as he struggled, his soul was restored over and over and over again. Think about that. If, if David could be restored, if David could find peace, if David could find experience the blessings of God while in the life he was going through, surely we can. Surely we can as well. He was well acquainted with weariness, and yet through that weariness, God was there to give him strength, help him to overcome. So God is my sustainer. Declare it, claim it. Verse 1, verse 2 and 3, God is my peace and my provider. He is my peace and my provider. Verse 2 and 3 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. 
Not to lift us up. Because he wants, as we live righteously, he gets the glory from what happens to, in us and through us. Do you think that maybe, as we read this, he leads me beside the cup of quiet waters, he leads me to the green pastures, that God is calling each of us to slow down, rest, and be restored in him. In, 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 in this world, we're told we got to be busy, busy, busy. It's only when you find that busyness, 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 that we find success, success, success. And that's really where we lose the peace, peace, peace. If your life is going too fast or at a breakneck speed, or if you feel out of control, slow down. Slow down. Find your rest in him. Cut out things around you that are causing you to operate at such a uh, quick pace. Things that are making you making your mind get off of what's important in our lives. Slow down. Spend some time with God. Spend some time in His Word. Spend some time worshiping on your own. Put on Caleb. Put on Air 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 uh, whatever Air One Radio, Way FM. Put those on. Turn on YouTube. There's some great. Uh, playlists on YouTube. There's some great playlists on Spotify. There's some great playlists on Pandora. There's no lack of finding great music for us to spend time listening to and filling our mind with, right? It's all there. Slow down. Find your rest in Him. Don't be, don't give in to the temptations presented by the world. To stay busy all the time. Think about this. Where did David find his peace? If David, who was being chased by Saul, who was running for his life, where did he find his peace? In the presence of the Good Shepherd. In the presence of the Good Shepherd. How does God define success? If the world tells us that success is being busy, 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 how does God define success? It's walking in line with his righteousness. You have spending time with God in His presence, learning about His righteousness and walking that righteous, living life. In spite of what the world may throw at you, in spite of what people may say to you in person or on social media, in spite of what happens around you, we can find the peace as we recognize that God is my peace. My peace doesn't come from a paycheck. My peace doesn't come from my kids behaving, thankfully. <laughs> My peace doesn't come even from having a wife of 30 years who loves me and we get to go out and have a good time together. That's not where my peace comes from. Those are bonuses. My peace comes from the presence of God in my life. My peace comes from recognizing and acknowledging who God is and embracing his presence in my life. That's where peace comes from. When his peace is there, all the other stuff can blow up around you and you can still find the peace in your life. One of the guys I follow, his name is Justin Trapp, he said, this doesn't mean that we never grow weary or that work, family, or personal responsibilities are unrighteous. God can and does work in and through our everyday lives. However, the focus and pace of our lives needs to be influenced by the leadership of the God who sustains us, gives us rest, and restores our soul. Our pursuits need to fall in line with the appropriate line of priority 
after our pursuit of God. What a great statement. That our priority needs to be in a relationship with God, embracing his peace, learning about his presence, and walking that line of righteousness that he wants to lead us. He is my peace and my provider. In addition to being my peace, my provider, and my sustainer, God is also my serenity. A little bit different concept than peace. He's my serenity. He's my serenity. Listen to what he says here in verse 4. We're going to camp here the rest of the time for the next hour and a half. Just kidding. <laughs> and he's like, I just started coming to this church. This pastor preaches a long time. What's up with him? I didn't have, you notice I don't have any coffee up here this morning. It's probably. Just kidding. Don't nobody get up and get me coffee. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is actually, in this psalm, the six verses here, this is actually the central verse, right? It's, it's the key, one of the key verses that we need to camp on and break, take away from us. They're all important, but this one kind of brings out a whole new realization. Notice in, in, this, in, this, ver in this verse, there's a major change. David changes pronouns in this verse. I know that has a whole different meaning in our culture today, but David changes pronouns in this verse. In the first three verses, it was all he, you, he, you. And now, look, he says, I mean, in the first three verses, it's all about God and him and third person, but now it's second person. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. He's personalizing. He's not just saying any God or any person. He's saying, God, you. Acknowledging and claiming that, God, you are walking beside me. Sometimes when we sing songs here on Sunday mornings and the worship team's up here leading and everybody's singing, do you ever change the pronouns in the songs? I do. I lift it up and I'm saying, you guys can't hear me or maybe on the camera they can hear me, I don't know. But... I change the pronouns because I want to give God the glory. So I'm saying, God, you are awesome. God, you are wonderful. I, 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 I can identify with what David's doing here. He's lifted up a praise. He is worshiping God. He's giving God the glory. He said, God, you are so great. You are so wonderful. It's because of you that I can walk. It's because of you that I can overcome fear. He says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff come from me. In that dark valley, he, he teaches us that he's not just beside us, he's leading the way. He's not just before us, he's beside us, leading the way through the dark valley, through those times of struggle, through those times where we are questioning what's going on around us. He is there walking right beside us. What a picture. What a picture of Jesus. What are, dark, what are the dark valleys that David's writing about here? They're basically any difficulties. Difficulties of life, the experience in life that makes us afraid, including death. Over the past couple of years, as COVID has come into the world, that's really been an anxiety point for so many people. 
We're going to die. You've got to mask up. You've got to get vaxxed. You've got to get through triple vaxxed. You've got to get octuple vaxxed. You've got you to get everything. Close yourself off. Put yourself in a little bubble because you might die. And the world bought it. The world's bought it. We generate that fear of living, that if we don't live inside our little bubble, that something might happen to us. And you know what? For the world, for those who don't know Jesus, it is a real fear. It's a very real, very valid fear. If they die, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't have hope for the future. If you're a follower of Jesus, death is just passing from this life into the next. It's just moving, your, your body stays here, and your soul goes on, and you get to enjoy eternity with God. There is, should not be any fear of death. Now, last year when I was in the hospital, was I fearful? Yes. But not for me. I was worried about my wife and my kids and what was going to happen to them. I was worried about them going on without me. I was worried about not getting to walk down the aisle with my girls and giving them away in marriage. I was worried about not getting to hold and hang on to my grandbabies. I was worried about not getting to see great-grandbabies. That's what I was worried about. That's what I was fearful about. Not about where I would go or what would happen to me. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my sins were gone. My sins had been taken away. Jesus had forgiven my sins. I had no doubt. I only feared for those who were left behind. What's your dark valley? Is it sickness? Loss of job? Maybe sickness for you or somebody else? Is it a loss of job? Financial stress that may come on as a result? Inflation's here, recessions on the horizon. Oh, we're all going to fall into that. We've gotten through it before, we get through it again. God is in control. Maybe it's child, spouse, or parent relationships that, or sibling relationships that you struggle with, that, the difficulty that's there. What is your dark valley? I want you to know that through those dark valleys, God is still with you. He is walking right beside you. And the presence of the shepherd calms the sheep. Because you know what? The sheep, we're easily frightened, aren't we? The sheep, there's a reason why God calls a sheep. And we don't have time to get into all the reasons and that God calls a sheep. It's kind of humbling when you look at it. It's good eating. But there's a lot of reasons why God calls a sheep. One of them is that they don't have good vision. Especially in the darkness. So when we are going through those dark times ourselves, when we find ourselves in that dark valley and you can't see, some of, some of us have glasses. I'm blessed that I can take my glasses off and I can still see Mike. Janice is a little blurry. Uh, Tammy's kind of blurry. Actually, everyone's a little blurry to me. Um, I can, now I can read. <laughs> but some people can't even, even if they take their glasses off, they can't read anything this close. That's like sheep. When it's dark and it's out and they can't see well, they get scared. And they need to turn to the shepherd to guide them. They need to turn to the shepherd to guide them. They're easily frightened. And when sheep make decisions in the darkness out of fear, a lot of times it's the wrong decision. 
right? But the shepherd brings calmness and peace to our lives. How does he do that? What does it say there in verse 4? He says he uses the rod and the staff to comfort the sheep. I don't know about y'all, but I look at a stick. If I was an animal, I'd be going, nah, not me. You know, you pick up a, a stick and you, you wave it at the dog, the dog runs off, right? Wave at the cat, the cat comes closer and says, I dare you. <laughs> Smart animals run away when they see a stick. But the rod and the staff actually bring calmness and peace to the flock. Because the rod is used like a, a big club. He takes his rod out, and that's what the shepherd uses to beat away the wild animals that are trying to attack the sheep. He stands there as a protector between the wild animals and the flock. Puts himself between his people in danger. He stands there with his club in one hand and the staff in the other, beating away the bad characters. Beating away the danger. The rod brings comfort to the sheep. They don't fear it because the shepherd does not raise that club in anger toward the sheep. <laughs> we still find ourselves disciplined, but he doesn't use it to beat us down. The staff is like the shepherd's crook. It goes up and comes down, and he uses that staff. It's really usually super tall. That way, as the sheep are in the flock, and even the ones in the back can look up, and they can see that shepherd's crook way up ahead. And they can follow it, and they can know which direction to go as they follow that shepherd's crook up in the air. It's used also to assist individual sheep who may wander away. You know the parable of the 99 and the one, how Jesus leaves the 99 behind and goes after the one, and he finds that one sheep, and he uses the shepherd's crook maybe to reach down and grab it to bring it to safety, to pick it up out of the danger and bring it back to safety of the flock. It's there to assist in times of trouble and to guide them home into the pen at night. As the shepherd brings them back to the pen, he stands there with his shepherd's crook, he lays it out there, and the sheep walk under his crook as he counts them to make sure every sheep that is supposed to be there is there. He brings them home. It gave the flock peace, knowing the shepherd was there and equipped for any emergency. Not some emergencies, any emergency. If a sheep broke its leg, he put the sheep up on its neck take it home, bandage it up, and get it get back to health. If the animals came, while the animals came, he'd fight them off. If they got lost, he would go and find them and bring them back. He was there equipped for any emergency. Jesus says he, that the, the, the good shepherd is not like the hired servant who runs away at the at the, the, the earliest time when difficulty is there. He's not like that hired servant who runs away at the first sight of trouble. He is the true shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. John 10, verse 11 to 15 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches him and scatters him, and he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays down his life for you and me. That ought to be an encouragement to us. Because God is not just some hireling who comes in. He is the owner of his flock. He is our controller. He is our master. He is our owner. He watches over and cares for us. He gives us true serenity. You know, if we're talking about God is our my serenity, he gives us true serenity. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we have just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He brings us the true serenity that we need. Leads us by still waters, leads us to green pastures. He leads us, He restores my soul, gives us the peace and the serenity that we desire and need and want. Only he brings that true strength. And through life, as we follow the shepherd, we're going to have many varied experiences. Some are going to be very trying, right? But none of them take the Lord by surprise. Think about that. Nothing that you have experienced over the past two years caught God by surprise. COVID did not catch God by surprise. Inflation did not catch God by surprise. Changing jobs, family situations, death in the family, death in your friends. None of those things caught God by surprise. He is our true shepherd. He can guide us around all of those difficulties and those fears and those snares in our lives that Satan wants to use to discourage us. We have to learn to trust him to have that peace. And the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are and the more peace will fill our hearts. Which sheep were more secure as they traveled? The ones that were close to the shepherd or the ones that were back? Or the ones on the side? The ones that were part of the shepherd. He could see them. That's why the people in the front row of the church hate me in there because I can see them. I can call on them. The smart people think they're sitting in the back room. Huh. Pastor can't see me. He's not going to call on me. That's why the tech team sits in the very back. They're right trying to look at the tech team and leave. Those who are closest to the shepherd are the safest. Find the most peace. If you're lacking in peace and serenity in your life, I would say that the shepherd is not the one who moved. The shepherd is not the one who moved. We are. There's a story about an elderly couple who driving down the road and the wife turns Husband's driving, the wife is sitting in her seat. And she turns to him and says, You know, I remember when we were first married. This is, Regina didn't say this to me, so don't think it was her. It's another story, some other couple. Actually, she didn't say this. The wife turns to her husband and says, You know, years ago when we were first married and we were dating and, and newly in love, we'd sit there and we'd, we'd sit right up close to each other and snuggle and each other driving down the road. He looks at her and he goes, you know, I'm not the one who moved. It's that way with God. If there's a distance in your relationship with God, he's not the one who moved. 
If you've lost track of the shepherd, he's not the one who moved. You are. I am. Only by following him do we find peace. True peace. Isaiah writes about the shepherd. He says, in chapter 40, he says, Go up on the high mountain of Zion. Herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Right? We sang that this morning. Behold our God. Behold the God who comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with him. That's our great shepherd. That's the true shepherd who brings true serenity to our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. He desires a close, intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And if there's no closeness felt, again, guess who moved? John writes about this good shepherd in Revelation. Listen to the, to the picture that John writes here. He says, when I saw him, saw him, when I saw him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to death and Hades, to the death and hell. That is the shepherd. That is who we follow. That who says, I want to be your shepherd. I want to be the one that you turn to. I want to be the one that you find your peace in. I want to be the one that you rely upon. I want to be the one who comes alongside and guides you. Let me go back to the picture of the Jesus walking beside the shepherd on the beach. A couple slides back. This is what Jesus wants for us. To walk with you. To walk next to you. That's his desire. That should be our desire as well. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they first sinned, they're, 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 right after they sin, they, what they do, they start hiding. They recognize their sinfulness. They recognize their nakedness. And they're hiding from God. Because they're hiding because they thought God didn't know where they were. Really? God's the creator. God's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. All he knows exactly what happened. And yet they're hiding. You're like trying to hide behind the, where the microphone stands. Right? God can't see me. <laughs> Imagine the audacity thinking they can hide from God or that we think God doesn't see us. That's what it's like. This is what God wants. Does he think he doesn't know you sinned? Does he think he doesn't know your struggles? Do you think he doesn't know what you're going through? Yes, he does. And he also wants to be there for you as well. Because he is our good shepherd. Everybody, your heads and close your eyes just for a minute as we finish up here this morning. Maybe in your life you're in, you feel like you're in that dark valley. You feel like you're going through a time of just not knowing the struggles going on, inflation's driving you nuts. 
job insecurity, maybe if someone in your family who's not doing well. Let me ask you right now just to give it to God. Give it over to Him. Say, God, I don't know what's happening, but I'm in that dark valley right now. And you're looking for His rod and His staff to bring comfort to you. Take a few minutes as Kara's plays quietly behind me or next to me. Just go to God with your concerns. Give it to Him this morning. God, we know that you are the great shepherd who looks down on you. Your people, you yearn for us and you long for us to turn to you, to come back to the flock, to trust in you, to trust in your staff as you lead us from green pasture to green pasture to green pasture. And we know and understand, God, that from our discussion last week that green pastures aren't fields full of alfalfa and wheat, but they're little sparse plucks of grass hidden between the rocks. But you know where they are, and you provide that sustenance for us. Lord, today as we come before you, I don't know what dark valleys are filling the minds and the hearts of people in our church, but you do. well aware of everything going on with us, of our fears, of our anxieties, our frustrations, our discouragements, our joys, our happiness, our rejoicings, and all that we experience, you are aware. Let us give over those parts of our lives, Lord, that we struggle with. Sometimes knowing that you allow us to go through the dark valley so that we might turn to you once again. So we might learn to trust in you as our good shepherd, as my good shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.